With me today to unpack 2018 in more detail and to actually provide a, a forward-looking outlook for frontier markets, both Africa and globally, is uh, Portfolio Manager and Head of Frontier Markets, Peter Lejeur. Welcome back, Peter. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Kirshni. And I uh, can't believe it's a whole year since we did this and great to be here. Maybe you talk about a year, it's been a tough one. We saw negative performance in the African as well as global frontier markets, not too dissimilar to what we saw in the developed and emerging markets over the year, in particular in quarter four. We know that the, the JSEXSA top 30 index was down 5%, the MSC Frontiers Markets Index down just under four, performing a lot better than both German global indices, but but down nonetheless. And Pete, if you look at it, notwithstanding just what the headline return numbers show, it's been another noisy period in Africa markets in particular, but also the global frontier markets. Can you maybe talk us through this uh, investment environment and in particular what we saw unfold in the latter stages of last year? As you quite rightly said, uh, it was a brutal year. And just as we thought, you know, couldn't get worse that last quarter, all the gloves came off and it was a particularly tough year. We had some very noisy markets. Argentina was a standout where in the first half of the year, the currency lost half of its value and equities were smashed and a lot of uncertainty around the currency and around bonds. So interestingly, that actually had a very stable last quarter and was slightly up. So we started the year with nothing in Argentina, ended the year with 8%. And in that volatility, we're finding some opportunities. But elsewhere, I mean, we had markets like Romania down 13%, Pakistan down 17% during the quarter alone with a a lot of currency movements. And so if I had to look at a theme for the year, I mean, currency was a massive driver. And you can see how liquidity is, is moving around the globe and how that's affecting underlying investments. We do think longer term as they normalize, that's often where a big opportunity sits. But rightly, you said, you know, that last quarter, massive moves and all big negative moves. You know, if I look at the year, I mean, Global Frontiers as a collective was down just over 16%. You know, we're quite glad that we were only down 8.4%, but it's still very tough for investors when you have to deliver a return like that. And then similarly in Africa, also tough, but less so than elsewhere, um, where, you know, African markets were down just under 10% and we were slightly positive. So a good result. And just to note that all those return numbers that I've quoted for the portfolio are gross of fees. And clearly one of the themes that we've picked up from the emerging markets conversation as well is that the moves in the currencies have just been quite brutal relative to the US dollar and significantly impacted um, returns. And I just want to go back because, you know, if I look at the start of the year, we saw a lot of optimism in Zimbabwe following the change in political leadership. But that's one where it just reminds you again of some of the inherent risks in frontier markets, the liquidity situation deteriorating quite substantially during the year. And the country, you know, recently has been brought to a standstill and with violent protests, things are are not looking pretty. What is your take on the situation on the ground? But I suppose most importantly, its impact on any positions that we currently hold in the portfolio. So Zimbabwe is very important to us, especially in our Africa portfolios, um, less so in Global Frontiers. It's been a large disappointment in 2018. We were hoping for quicker normalization. Um, The expectation was that foreign investments would flow more readily, that there'd be better funding lines available. But I think Zimbabwe hasn't cleared its name as quickly as we would have liked. And so a lot of the Western institutions have not been forthcoming and increasingly they're being forced 
to try and partner with the likes of China and Russia. We have seen a big delegation and a whole bunch of signatures to various cooperation agreements that have just been struck over the weekend in, in Russia, and that was the weekend in the middle of, of January, just by way of dating. That is, on the face of it, looking you know like a, a more positive event, but longer term, we need a normalization for the currency and forex to flow. So on the macro, it's a disaster. And if I look politically, there's a lot going on and news flow that's coming out now, which is very disturbing. And we need to see some very firm control of military and police force take place so that citizens are protected. Looking through that and looking at what we have by way of exposure, I mean, our massive exposure there has been to Econet. And during this year, Econet, which was a voice and money market business, has split into two businesses, being the voice mobile business and the other being uh, mobile money. Mobile money from a very small business over the last three, four years has grown into a formidable business and has a virtual 100% share of money that moves amongst retail transactions in Zimbabwe and has been a very successful investment for us. The mobile business, um, I think, it has done well given the environment and it continues to dominate. And longer term, you know, both these investments are actually looking f reasonably sound despite a very tough environment. The Brewer is the other investment that we have, which is Delta. And again, surprisingly, you know, volumes are, are very strong. Pricing has been strong. It's again a difficult environment in terms of sourcing raw materials. So the business has shut down at times in terms of uh, soft drinks. But as an investment, again, you know, we think we're well positioned. So the big challenge is going to be can we get money out of the country in the future and can we get that out at a reasonable face value relative to the investments that we have there and that that is a question that, that you know we continue to monitor we're not dysfunctional or low liquidity uh, currency markets is not something new to frontier markets and, and we've encountered before so and in markets like nigeria and egypt we saw those normalize to an extent where we were able to make meaningful returns for investors and on the investments that we had in the portfolios a hundred percent and i think that is what gives us still a degree of confidence when those markets normalize, you know, if you've got good assets, your returns are handsome. And so, you know, is it a case of hope triumphing over experience? I mean, that's sometimes, you know, in Zimbabwe, we have that question. But in this case, the experience has been in other markets that you do well. And as long as you're buying assets appropriately discounted and you have time on your side and you're not a forced seller, and so there isn't a, an event that forces you out, you can bide your time and you can do well. Pete, now, I think the great privilege of how we manage our frontier portfolios is that it's completely clean slate, bottom up and valuation driven. And you talked about the Argentinian exposure where we started 2018 with virtually nothing and using the sell-off that we saw in that market in the first half to increase exposure. With the so many markets having come under pressure, especially in the latter half of last year, it must be great fertile ground for some bargain hunting. What ideas have you picked up and put into the portfolio? What ideas are your high conviction views and, and, and what are you seeing? So 2019 does look like... It's a year where it's the curse of choice. Um, there are so many attractive businesses that are on very attractive valuation multiples. And it's a matter of now, how do you position appropriately? And I think in a year like this, what if I look at the portfolio, it gives you a great opportunity to de-risk in that you can buy very high quality businesses at attractive prices that are now growing strongly and are in very good health. 
We've not seen PE multiples in frontier markets at these levels for over three years. And if I look three years back, a lot of the countries were in far, far weaker positions. So you know, we've spoken about Egypt in the past repeatedly. You know, Egypt economically is actually in a very good place. And we're seeing tourism return. A lot of the difficult decisions have been made and choices have been made. So subsidies are gone. You know, the IMF program has worked out very well. Yet, despite all of this, we can still buy banks on a five times multiple at book value and they're growing earnings between 25 and 30%. Very well provisioned, capital adequacy, excellent. You know, we're amazed that we get these opportunities because elsewhere in the world, you just don't see that. If, if you're on a multiple like that, your bank has to be looking seriously at risk, which is not the case here. Elsewhere, you know, in consumer-facing names, Again, we're seeing multiples that are sometimes single-digit, early, early teens. And you compare that to, to high-growth economies, you cannot find consumer-facing businesses normally that are at multiples that are not close to a 20 or plus. And so again, high-quality, cheap valuations, great dividend yields. And as long as you're prepared to bind your time, we, we're actually feeling very confident about what we hold. The big question again is around currencies, which we touched on, on earlier. But if you've had a lot of currency headwind, we are massive believers that there will be a degree of sanity and a degree of normalization. And yes, you were a hero if you held dollar or precious metals for 2018. But longer run, fair price of, of a currency does tend to normalize. And we think we hold a number of cheap currencies. Pete, I think what I also want to be mindful of is that in a global frontiers portfolio, we have an allocation or we have the ability to take allocations in emerging markets, small cap. What exposures are you seeing in the portfolio at the moment? Are you seeing any of the same type of return opportunity in the frontiers market also filter down into some names that you're able to pick up in the EM small cap segment as well? So if I look at the portfolio now, the exposure to small cap gem is at the highest it's been. And increasingly, there's blurring between emerging markets and frontier markets. So there's a technical classification issue here to some degree, which we're not that cognizant of, but it's useful to understand that because it does affect frontier investors. So Argentina is looking to be upgraded this year to emerging market status. So everything we own there would classify as that, but that's irrelevant to us. The way we view emerging market small cap is twofold. I mean, one, it's somewhat opportunistic because we see massive dislocations often. Emerging markets see big liquidity flows and movements, and so that plays out in terms of currencies and valuations. And whenever that happens, it piques our interest, and we start looking at those markets. We're in a very fortunate position that we've got a large emerging market team. They do very deep dives into sectors, into companies, and we can leverage off that information. It gives us a huge amount of kind of conviction in terms of understanding where we're coming from, and, and we fast-track to getting to evaluation on a number of small cap businesses. We also have their backup in terms of them having met with those businesses often, and we can then also then go in and meet. And so that sounding board allows us to de-risk our emerging market exposure significantly. It's also interesting to compare those businesses to what we see in Frontiers because you know often the relative valuations and what we can buy, again, helps us in terms of coming to a degree of conviction around the investment that we're looking at. And then... You can pick only three things. What would be the list of things that you keep you up at night at the moment? So I think the biggest one is Zimbabwe. I mean, Zimbabwe is big in our, in our Africa portfolio. It's going through a real crunch point at the moment. And 
it has to solve some very big, big problems. We think it all comes down to funding and rebuilding a balance sheet. And it looks like some of those difficult steps are being taken. And I think we will know in a year's time, you know, we'll be a lot further down the road in terms of, of sorting this out and what that picture will look like. So that's an area where I think it could go from keeping me up at night to allowing me to sleep a little bit better. The second one is Nigeria. Nigeria we've positioned in a way where we've got a lot less exposure. We think it's going to have a tough year, again, from a currency perspective. It's very dependent on the oil price, and we've seen that weaken recently. They've increased their foreign debt component significantly, and so that interest rate burden and the recapitalization burden has gone up. And they've never been in a fortunate position with a lot of forex liquidity. So you just don't want to be heavily invested in a country where, again, you can't get forex out. So we're mindful of that, and we've taken steps to, to preempt that. And where possible, our Nigerian exposures via external listings, and so we're not beholden to that. And then lastly, I worry somewhat around the macro position globally. You know, the U.S. has a massive market. It's, it's had a, a multi-year run, and it does feel like it's getting to the bomb and calling last round to some extent. You know, you're seeing the end of the tax cuts, which were a big sugar rush. You're seeing the, the move to higher interest rates. Um, and so, you know, a very high level of employment and high earnings base that you see in the U.S. will start to play out and unwind a little. And ultimately, it's a big dictator of flows elsewhere. And so our markets are very thin. And if you're in a global risk-off state, it's something that I would be mindful of. Um, and for long-term investors, you know, those have presented some of the best opportunities because you're then buying at valuations that are long-duration, very, very attractive. And you make your money by what you pay, not by what you sell. Thanks very much, Pete. I think if I had to summarize consistent theme, yes, there is out there. Yes, there are concerns out there. Asset classes have sold up. Securities have sold up and we're picking up some really attractive single stock opportunities across both frontier and small cap EM markets that we think that for the patient long-term investor, that the rewards will be great and certainly worth the wait. Thanks very much. Kirshni, thank you. 